You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm sorry. Today it's me and... Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John Fraser. I'm actually part Canadian. No do to boot it. Who wants to draft me? Love me a rouge. And Travis Curra. Man, if they go with Sanceri over Brett Smith, then nothing has changed in Saskatchewan. We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Uh, what do you call it? You're supposed to do the thing where you talk and you pretend like... <laughs> You're like in- interested in the thing, but you just the need interview. the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the inner blue. Can't forget the nonsense. I thought you should know I ate two carrot muffins as you were drunk, Jim Barker. Ready, set, hut. And welcome to episode 74 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. It's Travis Curra and... First of all, I do I do want to apologize. If you tune in every week hoping to hear Fraser and Kura together again, I'm sorry. Today it's me and I don't want to disappoint you, but it's me. Please give it a chance. Listen to the rest of the show. Don't turn it off just yet. I don't have high standards to achieve, but I think we'll be okay. We'll navigate through what happened last week. Some big news happening this week. And just remember this. You remember this. I still showed up. I care about you. I do. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out Podcast. Can you huddle if it's only one person? I I, I, I I don't know. I could huddle up into a ball, I guess. But it is just me today, and uh, we'll get through this together. Some massive news, I think, came out yesterday. Earlier in the week, Glenn Suter was on a radio show saying that expect to see Randy Ambrosi, the new commissioner, make some changes to video review, and boy, the changes came. They came fast. I, I honestly wasn't sure what they were going to do, but now each team only gets one challenge a game. That is absolutely huge. We're at a point here when teams work challenges into their offense. I know Chris Jones called out Dave Dickinson last week saying, hey, man, you guys get your receivers to do double moves. If the play doesn't work, you just throw a flag hoping for illegal contact. Well, if they're still going to do that, they can only do it once a game. I am very interested to see how this affects the referees. Uh, you know, you have to call the perfect game with review because people can see every move you do. But I'm wondering to see if they're going to call the games a little bit tighter. I, I, I'm wondering if we're going to see a lot more flags flying over the next little while here as the referees don't want to miss anything. I, I can't imagine being in their position, heavily scrutinized, but only one challenge per team. Now, Glenn Johnson, 
head of officiating, and Randy Ambrosi were on a national conference call. Here's what Glenn Johnson had to say when he was asked about if the refs felt that maybe it was getting to the point where the coaches were in charge and in charge of fixing the game. Yeah, I wouldn't say it that way. Um, you know, I think the point we've gotten to is that um, we've come off the first principles of why we were using replay, you know, which is really to have the opportunity to fix egregious, indisputably wrong calls, you know, that could have an impact or an outcome on the game. So, you know, it really wasn't about what the officials thought. It was just much more about what it was doing to the flow of the game and to the fan experience. And you can't really dispute what it was doing to the flow and to the fan experience. I will argue that being in the stands, uh, a challenge isn't that frustrating. I mean, it is, but it's not as frustrating as when you're watching on TV. Man, it's really easy to pick up that remote and change the channel if there is no flow. So good on them for making that change. Here's what Randy Ambrosi had to say, whether he's been talking to GMs and other leaders across the league, and if there was any talk about maybe changing not only how many challenges teams can get, but changing what was reviewable. Well, you know, we um, we talked about a lot of things with uh, with a good number of the people in our league over the last couple of days, and again, you know, Glenn has been... Uh, leading that uh, leading that charge I, I think for us you know we thought if we're going to do a mid-course correction let's make a simple and meaningful change that would have a, a very positive effect on our game and we thought this was the right one and we had unanimous support for that we, we've also said and made a commitment to all of the teams and and all of our partners uh, that we will do a more full and complete review at the end of the season but for for this moment making this one very simple change uh is that will have the maximum positive impact on our game we thought was the, the best way to go and again had unanimous support across all of our all, uh, across all of our partners to make this uh this important change for the most part our new commissioner knocks it out of the park and you know what he just said hey i took a tour across the league stadiums, talked to all the fans, and this is the most that we've heard from the fans or the biggest feedback he's got from the fans. And the CFL is a fan-driven league. Good for him for listening and for listening so fast. This is a commissioner that really gets it, and I really hope they can hang on to him for quite some time because it's been a revolving door at that part of the Canadian Football League. And if they can lock this guy down, I think our league is in really good shape. Over the weekend, I'm sure you saw the Hamilton Tiger Cats got absolutely smashed. 60-1. to I guess we'll talk about the game a bit a, a little later on. The saddest part is that the Tiger Cats, they basically scored that one point by accident. They were trying to pin Calgary deep with the punt and went into the end zone so hey we got a rouge but that was it it was a sad display and i'm sure tiger cat fans just want to uh, erase that from their memory as soon as possible well they stayed in alberta this week they were practicing in calgary and then on tuesday there was a big kerfuffle at practice <laughs> there was a, a brawl uh, to say the least at practice so here's what Kent Austin had to say about that wouldn't you expect I mean, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for it up to this point right I mean it's it's a it's a it's a normal thing in football uh, if if there was if it had, if it had continued if it had gone into other periods if the same two guys 
that initiated it. You know, we're at each other's throat constantly. Uh, and that wasn't managed properly by the players, not by not by us. Uh, then there would be maybe a bigger issue, but that wasn't the case. So uh, you probably need to let it go a little bit. It is a normal thing in football. Guys hit each other every single play. You're going to get mad. <laughs> you know what? If I go to a rock concert, a Metallica show, and somebody's bumping on me into the mosh pit every single beat to the drum or whatever, yeah, I'm going to give them the business back. So that's what happened. It's interesting to see how this team reacts. Are they being torn apart? Or is this going to bring them together? And you know what? It shows that they still care. They're still in this. These guys aren't, you know, sitting on their helmets, suntanning during practice. They're getting it done, and they want to fight. And I think they're going to have a very strong performance against Edmonton this week. And they had a strong performance against Edmonton the week before. They only lost by a field goal and probably should have won that game. But then Mike Riley does Mike Riley things. Staying with Hamilton, they made an interesting hire on Wednesday. Or they announced it on Wednesday anyway. They hired June Jones an assist, as assistant head coach. He's got NCAA and NFL experience. He actually coached, uh, I believe, Chad Owens while he was in Hawaii. So this guy, uh, he's going to be in Edmonton this week. He's not going to be calling plays yet anyway, but they might be working that in as the season goes on. So they're serious about making things work. You can't just blow up, you know, 45 players in the middle of the season, but they're serious about making things work and turning this thing around. They are 0-5. They can turn that around and make the playoffs, but man, they made that higher, and obviously Ken Austin trusts the guy. He doesn't seem to like to make changes or trust anybody with play calls or anything like that, so he trusts Jones. We'll see uh, what happens and if, hey, maybe they turn it around this week against the Eskimos. we got to go through some transactions that have happened over the past week. The Rough Riders end up releasing former number number one overall pick, Lyndon Gadosh, and they end up signing Devon Bailey. The Eskimos signed Koshi Muamba and Levi Steinauer, some national depth there because <laughs> their long snapper gets hurt. Odell Willis was the backup long snapper, but he's also the backup kicker. We have to talk about that situation uh, from last Friday because that was pretty crazy. But Levi Steinauer can do some long snapping. Koshi Muamba can play safety. Uh, he can play a bit of defensive back there as well. The Argos end up releasing national defensive back Matt Black. I saw him send out a tweet about that longtime Argonaut. Great guy. Devin Wiley gets released as well. And the Red Blacks, I thought this one is a, a bit under the radar, but it should be big news. They signed Quincy McDuffie, who showed last year with Winnipeg how much he can do. He's an explosive player. Get him in space, and this guy will make a mess of things for the defense. Anyway, punt returns, kick returns, receiving. He can do it all, but the Red Blacks already have Deontay Spencer. If they work both these guys onto special teams and offense, that is a big, big plus for them. And if they can get both of these guys the ball, that offense, I think it, it's already awesome with uh, Sinopoli, Ellingson, yeah, Spencer. They've had flashes from Joshua Stangby as well. If McDuffie and Spencer are in, that should be a team that's even more fun. To watch, We should talk about injuries in uh, BC. Chris Williams 
should be back and starting this Saturday against the Rough Riders. So talk about an exciting team. Chris Williams, Brian Burnham, and Manny Arsenault all on the same offense. It's almost not fair. It looks like Nick Moore might get bumped off the roster. And he's had a nice start to the year, and he has really good chemistry with uh, Travis Lule. But looks like Jonathan Jennings might be back next week. So, you know, maybe they only have to deal with that for one week. Some injuries. Trayvon Van gets hurt last week for the Edmonton Eskimos, so he is out. They're without John White already. Calvin McCarty took over last game. Hey, he did okay. He's a fullback, but maybe this week they're going with practice roster running back Ladarius Perkins. On fantasy, he costs you 2500 bucks. A good $2,500 player? That's what you always want every week, so we'll see what he can do. I do think Hamilton... Has a decent rush defense, though. You know, uh, John Chick. You have Laurent on the defensive line. You have uh, Simone Lawrence, who's going to be back this week. So they're pretty good against the run, but for 2500 bucks, you can't go wrong. In Calgary, Kamar Jordan ends up getting hurt, and he might end up on the six-game list with that knee injury. But Mark and Michelle came on it, uh, last week after Jordan left the game and absolutely blew up. He will be starting this week, and you know what? $2,500. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers could be without Weston Dressler this week, but coming back in Winnipeg, Mo Leggett and Bruce Johnson. So keep an eye on the depth chart that will be coming out today. And for Saskatchewan, no Tyler Krapinia. Doesn't have any fantasy implications because apparently TSN CFL Fantasy doesn't think kickers are people. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. I love kickers, so let's get them in there. I guess let's talk about the first game of last week. Absolutely incredible. Uh, this is what the CFL is all about. No lead is safe, right? Let's paint the picture. There's about a minute 25 left. The Bombers are trailing 40-28. to 28. They end up getting a touchdown. They end up getting the onside kick, and this happens. Final play, barring penalty. The Bombers, unbelievably, a chance to win. Will they get it? Yes, they will. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Left for dead. A miracle is right. I mean, Investors Group Field was just about empty when it happened. My good friend Neil is from Winnipeg, never leaves games early, but he he posts this on Facebook, and I quote, Well, that was one of the greatest endings to a bomber game I have ever watched on my phone while walking back to my car. There was a lot of controversy uh, a bit at the end on whether Andrew Harris was down or not. And I'm of the thinking that, man, it would have been an absolute shame if they took that away from him. Because either way, down or not, he showed a ton of effort to get that ball into the end zone. Good for them, man. (laughs) I mean, that game was something else. Montreal, they, they, they just let Winnipeg score the first touchdown. And then it was absolutely the perfect 
onside kick. I, I don't know if you can recreate that. I don't know if we've seen another one that nice. So, I mean, Medlock knocked that out of the park, but he missed a 37-yard field goal. He missed a 47-yard field goal. That doesn't happen with Justin Medlock. So for the Bombers to win with Medlock missing two kicks is shocking on its own. TJ Thorpe, seven catches, 64 yards for the Bombers. Darvin Adams, six for 91. And Andrew Harris, nine for 93. He also had the 12 carries for 41 yards and two touchdowns. What a game from Andrew Harris. Darian Durant. I think he's stringing together some really nice games here. 348 yards, 27 of 35. He did okay. They had a better running game in this one. Still without Tyler. I'm going to sneeze. Ooh. Ooh. It's gone. Uh, Still without Tyrell Sutton. (laughs) Brandon Rutley, 11 carries for 76 yards. And I got to say, man, BJ Cunningham is really exploding in this league. And we should start paying attention to this cat. Six catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. He is an incredible player. We really got to keep our eyes on him. But that comeback is exactly what CFL football is. And if people are smashing this league this year, you're missing out. You're the loser for not watching the Canadian Football League. Man, this is some great stuff. Friday night, it was a showdown. Eskimos and Lions, both teams winning four games in a row. And maybe one of the reasons that Randy Ambrosi had his hand forced uh, and had to change the video reviews because there was a lot of that going on in this game. Should mention, it was Eskimos equipment manager Dwayne Mandrusiak's 1,000th game. They had a ceremony for him at halftime. It was awesome. It was really, really cool to see that. Sean Paul played at halftime, and the Eskimos really doing it right. They had uh, another 32,000 at this game, so they're attracting a lot of fans. But think about this. 47 years with one team. He's been there since he was 14. Absolutely incredible feat. And the Eskimos end up marking the occasion with a win. 37-26, Mike Riley, 412 yards, two TDs, but two interceptions there as well. His first two of the season, the big play here, Vidal Hazleton, a 108-yard catch. Insane. Three 100-yard receivers in Edmonton. Duke Williams, 104 yards. Brandon Zilstra, 107 yards in Hazleton, obviously. But he had 159 to end the game with. Man, I thought Brian Mitchell, who had a good game the, the week before, he had a touchdown. Of course, no Darius Bowman. He comes in. Three catches for six yards. 2500 bucks. I guess I can't complain, but my fantasy team took an absolute beating this week because I had Brian Mitchell. He does that. I had Bo Levi Mitchell, who doesn't have to play the entire second half, and I had Kamar Jordan, who had like one catch for six yards. So I had the roughest week you could possibly have. One of them on uh, CFL Fantasy. At least I didn't take Trayvon Van. Two carries, minus three yards, ends up getting hurt. As for BC, Jeremiah Johnson scores another touchdown. This one through the air. Five carries, 44 yards, or five catches, 44 yards. In For carries, he only had five of them as well for 30 yards, and maybe that's the difference here. Edmonton's very tough to run against. 
because that defensive line is crazy. If you get past them, I feel like you can gain a lot of yards. And I think maybe that was the difference in this game. They didn't give Johnson the ball enough on the ground. He had six yards per carry, but 30 yards, one of them was a 19-yard run. So <laughs> four carries for 11 yards outside of that 19-yard run. Jeremiah Johnson has a touchdown in every game that he's played. The only player in the league to do that. That's why he's so expensive on CFL Fantasy. And honestly, I think it's for good reason. Now, the big story, I think, in this game, and the most fascinating thing to watch, was Edmonton's injury situation. Uh, You know, (laughs) Trayvon Van gets hurt, leaves the game. He, He wasn't able to do much. But... Sean White gets hurt, and I didn't know this for a while. I don't think TSN knew it on the broadcast for a while either, but Sean White seemed to injure his leg, and he's sitting on the training table, and I see Ryan King kicking into the net, thinking, what's going on? Odell Willis is long snapping, and they look pretty damn good, to be honest, but the Eskimos are going for two after touchdowns. They're not punting, and late in the fourth quarter... BC probably should have been able to stop Edmonton short on a drive, but uh, they weren't. So Edmonton drove down the field and ate up a bunch of clock, and they weren't forced to punt. But what happens is that Ryan King, who was supposed to punt, ends up getting hurt. Odell can't long snap it to himself, (laughs) although that would be pretty fun to watch. So Odell was actually forced to do a kickoff, and he knocked that out of the park. It It was a fun situation to watch, and just one of those things that happens inside of a CFL game that uh, the rosters are so small that (laughs) you got to make things work with what you have. And I will say, there was a really cool moment during the game. Uh, I guess Odell's mom lives in Alabama. She has MS. So a few weeks ago, TELUS installed a 360 camera on the sideline so she could watch the game like, I guess, never before. She lights up when she sees her son on TV. So they showed Odell uh, getting right into the 360 camera's face, saying hi to his mom. It was really a touching moment. It was really cool to see. So Odell did it all. He even called a delay a game on the Lions late in the fourth quarter. I'm shocked he didn't get a penalty. For that one, he stood up and did the ref signal and everything. But uh, Odell, he stole the show for the Eskimos on Friday night. Now on to Saturday night, where we had a doubleheader. I thought it was going to be two good games. Saskatchewan beats Toronto 38-27. to Deron Carter finally becomes Deron Carter. Nine catches, 131 yards, Two touchdowns, including this one, right before half to tie up the game. The Argos blitz. Glenn pumps, puts it up, back left corner this time. Oh, my goodness! What a kick by Deron Carter! And that's the Carter we expected! And the Riders will tie this game! Well, the Riders isolate Deron Carter, and and I'm speechless. That is an Odell Beckham quality catch. That is unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. But right before that, Naaman Roosevelt had an insane catch. Actually, just before that, SJ Green had an insane catch. I don't see the point of arguing on what catch has been better 
this year, Brian Burnham or Deron Carter. Here's the thing. They still count for six points. They were both touchdowns. They were both incredible. Both, I think, a little bit different situations. For the record, I'm a Ryder fan. I might have to side with the Brian Burnham one, maybe. The guy was all over him. I still don't know if these catches beat what S.J. Green did in 2010. The situation there, it was for two points. It was in overtime. The home opener, man, stretching out, man, that that was absolutely incredible. Let's just enjoy it. We don't have to fight about what's better. It was crazy to see what Duran did. Basically reached across his body, tipped it down, pinned the ball against his thigh, and it was crazy. But the big play, I think, here came on the last drive for the Rough Riders. Uh, Bakari Grant makes a catch on second and 10, and he was about five yards short of the first down. Well, Johnny Sears, instead of touching Bakari Grant to mark him down and force the Riders to punt, he stands back, lets Bakari stand up, and gain 29 yards on the play. That was a rookie mistake. And that, I think, cost the Argos the game because if they get the ball back in Ricky Ray's hands, I don't know if there's a quarterback that I would trust more with the fourth quarter trailing by a couple points than Ricky Ray. And (laughs) he got the ball back, but after the Riders ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, that was extended by that play. As for some picks that I think we need to be starting to look at, it's Anthony Coombs. In this one, nine catches for 97 yards. Yeah, he's playing some great games. But the week before that, he had himself eight catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Before that, eight catches for 94 yards. He's on a pretty sweet streak the last few games. It comes for like 3300 bucks on DraftKings. And hey, you know what? Charleston Hughes and the boys are going to be rushing Ricky Ray this week. Dump it off to Coombs. (laughs) You know, limit those hits. So uh, he might be able to continue that awesome streak this week against the Stampeders. But still no run game in Toronto. James Wilder, 11 carries, 35 yards. And it looks like Brandon Whitaker back on the roster this week against the Stampeders. They'll need him for blocking. Whitaker, a great pass blocker, and the Stampeders, a great defensive line. So hopefully they can uh, keep Ricky Ray healthy in that one. I guess we do need to talk about the slaughter. It's almost a funeral, uh, what happened on Saturday night. The Stampeders beat the Tiger Cats 60-1. to Now here's the crazy thing. It was one nothing, uh, with about a minute twenty left in the first quarter, and then Roy Finch returns a ninety-seven yard punt for a touchdown. But the highlight of the game had to be this. There's Buckley, and there it is, his first CFL touchdown pass. And wouldn't it be appropriate? It would be a dino to a dino, Buckley to Anthony Parker. Andrew Buckley, former University of Calgary Dino, ends up throwing his first career touchdown pass, the first touchdown pass by a Canadian quarterback for almost two years. Yeah, it's been a while. He only played for a half. 10 of 10, 106 yards and a touchdown. I, you can't get 
that much better than that. But everything the Stampeders did in this game turned to gold. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. Mark and Mitchell, six catches, 190 yards, and a touchdown. Like I said earlier, 2500 bucks on CFL Fantasy, and there's going to be no Kamar Jordan again. But Roy Finch is consistently getting returns. I don't know if he gets the respect he deserves. Obviously, he had a lot of punt returns in this game because the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they get the two-and-out award for being the official team of the two-and-out podcast, which is not an award you want. Roy Finch, seven punt returns, seven of them 147 yards had the touchdown and he only had one kick return because that's all that Hamilton had <laughs> one for 38 yards and you have to assume he'll have more kicks this week against Toronto for Hamilton maybe they just forget about this uh nothing they could do went right hey Luke Tasker at 82 yards I, I guess that is a uh positive but Everything else they did absolutely turned to crap. And if they never want to talk about this game again, I understand it. Apparently, it's only the second worst defeat in team history. So, hey, Tiger Cat fans, there was a time in your life when it was a lot worse. (laughs) So keep it together. It's only up from here. You can't get worse than that. And I will say, I think the game ball probably belongs to Quick Six, the horse that runs up and down the McMahon Stadium sidelines after (laughs) the Stampeders score. At YYC Red, Eric McKee on Twitter says, uh, the horse probably ran closer to 4,170 yards. Yeah, give that horse some extra hay. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. All right, so big voice guy, I count as two people now. Thanks, you jerk. I didn't really want to use the angry L because that would just mean a lot more editing there. Our picks are brought to you by Seat Giant. They have tickets for everything. You want to buy for the CFL games this weekend? Sure. Kiss is coming to town? Absolutely. Metallica's in your city? Buy those tickets on Seat Giant and use the promo code that we've set up with them, Poutine. Not only does it help out the show a little bit, it helps your pocket a bit, you get a bit of a discount and you're all taken care of Poutine at Seat Giant, all in Canadian dollars. Every event you can imagine is there. The first game of the week, it is Thursday Night Football, Stampeders and Argonauts. (sighs) I can't choose against the Stampeders. When you put up 60 points uh, against the Tiger Cats, I know the Tiger Cats are the Tiger Cats. Uh, I can't pick against them. I don't know when I'm going to pick against them. Again, maybe when they play Edmonton, but that's a that's a that's a lifetime away from now. I have to pick Calgary in this one. Sweet, sweet city woman, and join me. We got a few folks singing. Yeah, yeah. All right, 
right, Friday night football. It's sort of a doubleheader. The games here actually overlap. I would like if they move the Edmonton game back to 8 o'clock so then I don't have to miss kickoff. I live in Red Deer. Come on, Len Rhodes. Come on, get it together here. But Winnipeg and Ottawa starting at 5 o'clock. Western time, I guess I should say. I'm going to pick the Red Blacks here. Coming off of, it's not a buy. Now, I know they don't have a real buy until, uh, I guess, week 18. But they've had 10 days off. They're 1-4-1. and one. They're actually only three points out of first. They're not that bad of a team. They're going to be fresh. They're going to be prepared. And I'm picking Ottawa to beat Winnipeg. a cigarette. Oh my man, my voice is going here. <laughs> the second half of the double header, it is the Eskimos home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Now, Hamilton is going to win one of these days. They really are. <laughs> Believe it or not, they're going they're not going 0 and 18. There's no way they're possibly doing that and I think The Tiger Cats have a better shot than ever at winning this week. The Eskimos, they say they're not going to take Hamilton lightly, but they're very banged up. It's tough to beat a team twice in a season. They did beat the Tiger Cats only by a field goal. I know it was in Hamilton, but last year, Jeremiah Mazzoli came out and led them back on a five-touchdown comeback against the Eskimos at Commonwealth Stadium. I think Hamilton can shock the country and win this week. I got the confidence set at 25%, but let's roll the Arkells. Now, I either look extremely stupid or extremely smart Friday night at about 1 a.m. Eastern time, but (laughs) they're going to win one of these times. I'm just throwing the dart. We'll see if they can do it. The BC Lions home to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday. Chris Williams makes his debut for the Lions. We'll see how much he does. Uh, We don't know how involved he will be in the offense, but he's been practicing with the first teamers all week. And he hasn't really had a chance in game action to play with Jennings or Lule. So we'll see what he can put together. But the Lions here, I think they beat the Riders. I actually think it's going to be a really close game. And if you pick the Riders, I wouldn't crap on you. Uh, They should be having some momentum coming off that win against Toronto last week. But the Lions, they're really making a push to play good football at home, and they're going to really want to win this one. Uh, I know guaranteed win night didn't end up well for the Lions a few weeks ago. They haven't guaranteed anything, but I'm going with the Lions in this one.
thin white line could refer to the goal line. I just realized that. Trooper is from BC. It's Travis Curra, the two and out CFL podcast. I was solo this week. Uh, I don't know uh, who will be with me next week, but I will be joined by somebody. If you made it through the whole show, please give yourself a pat on the back. Please. Well done. You made it. And I, if, if I didn't suck, tell me. If I did suck, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> that will just break my heart, and I'll just do nothing but eat ice cream and watch football all long weekend. If you don't want to see that, I promise you. Enjoy your August long weekend. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 2andOutCFL. Try to keep you updated with all the news and throw a little bit of my uh, opinion in there, right or wrong. Love to hear yours as well. And get on iTunes. Uh, throw a rating on there, throw a review, helps us get discovered by a little bit more people. So uh, rate, review, five stars, please don't don't one star us, but have yourself a good one, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.